Good afternoon, and welcome to Free to Be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to Be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental and societal incursions into religious life. Whatever happened to Christmas holidays? Well, consumerism and mercantilism aside, localities are forbidden from displaying nativity scenes on public property. Schools are ignoring traditional Christmas pageants and even traditional greetings, Merry Christmas, being replaced with Happy Holidays or Happy Solstice or Happy Festivus. Well, it's not just that regulatory or governmental bodies are discouraging any mention of Christmas with its message of Christ's birth, but a portion of American society itself is rejecting the very concept. Why is this happening? Is the trend increasing? How should Christians respond? Well, these are some of the questions Pastor Christopher Toma of our Savior Evangelical Lutheran Church in Heartland, Michigan, and I will try to answer. Good afternoon, Pastor Toma. Hey, Kip. How are you? Well, I'm wondering, going into the Christmas season, you tell me, things seem to be changing. Well, yeah, it would seem that they are, although, um, you know, not, not, maybe not in the ways that we might expect. I think uh, I have quite a bit of, quite a full opinion on some of these things. Well, that's why we have you on the show. Yeah. I'm looking at several uh, news items. For example, I've got a uh, a school in uh, Wake County, North Carolina, can't sing Christmas carols at the annual nativity celebration. And this because they've received a complaint from our good friends, Freedom From Religious Foundation. We've right. heard from them before. Other things, ACLU has uh, sued an Indiana town because it displayed a cross as part of its Christmas decorations. And the town has knuckled under and removed the cross on top of a tree. Other places we've got, well, you name it. Uh, even here in St. Louis, I've run into it where people will look at me strangely when I wish them a Merry Christmas. Right. Well, we've got... You know, this is not something that's exactly new, um, and I guess one thing I would say, and, and this might be somewhat of a controversial viewpoint on this whole thing, uh, the first thing I think I would say is that, you know, the secularization of Christmas or the war on Christmas that we, we often talk about, I think personally is is really more symptomatic of something much bigger um, than most might willing uh, be willing to admit, and I wonder... I wonder, since this has been going on for quite some time now, and I think maybe it's been drawn to our attention more so in the last 30 years or so, um, I wonder if the aspects of the war on Christmas have been all along kind of a barometer, so to speak, of the spiritual health of the church as a whole. Um, and folks are just kind of have just kind of missed where it was going. Now, when you say the church as a whole, do you mean the LCMS or the Christian church? Well, I think I think the universal Christian church. And, and what I mean by that is to say that, um, you know, the church uh, has been distracted by something else, and that something else is more the massive shift uh, in mainstream, uh, mainstream Christianity from the historical identity and substance of what it means to be the Christian church to more of a comfortable you know, more of a culturally-minded relevancy that works, you know, supposedly to meet people right where they are, rather than bringing people into a completely different sphere of existence, a different language, mannerisms, life, perspective, a uh, different kind of courage even, I would say, um, you know, unbending uh, to something other than what the world defines as precious. Um, so a whole new culture is what we're bringing people into. And the American church, perhaps, not all, not all of them, I wouldn't say, but for the most part, 
it's just kind of my impression that it seems that a good portion of mainstream evangelical churches have jumped on this culturally relevant train, and in the end, it's resulted in the demise of true effectiveness for making Christians who, again, in the end, for example, would be willing, let's say, to drive all night to hear preaching and receive the sacraments, like they are in places like Iraq and Iran, uh, but instead of, instead of skipping church more times than not, while at the same time getting mad when someone says happy holidays. We're making shallow Christians, I guess is what I'm saying, and people, uh, the people who have courage, but it's not a courage that in any way causes anyone um, who would attack what's precious to us to rethink the offensive. We're making wobbly Christians, as I told somebody earlier today, who fight for all of the wrong kinds of things. And the war on Christmas, I think, might be emblematic of this. Um, a second thing I would say, too, now that, now that I'm, I'm thinking of it, would be to say that the world is, the church needs to understand that the world is merely doing what the Lord said it would do when it comes to feasting on the meat of the church. And one of the primary ob uh, objectives is to consume and digest the bride of Christ and make her a part of itself. Um, I'm not quite um, following that. Could you, could you expand on it? Well, what I mean is, uh, the, you know, the world is, is always trying to make the church indistinguishable or, or make, it, make it look like itself. Uh, trying to make the Bride of Christ a part of itself, make it indistinguishable from everything else, uh, to convince her to be accepting of everything and nothing all at the exact same time. Uh, so the questions I guess I'm putting out there is that Christians maybe could stand back, even when they're facing this war on Christmas issue, kind of stand back and ask, uh, at this point on the timeline, when everything, and I mean everything, that the Church is holding dear is being bowled over uh, by the culture. The question I would say ask is, is my church moving more toward the culture and being consumed by it? Does she intentionally look and sound and act like the culture around her, or is she comfortable in her own historic and doctrinal skin, and she isn't willing to accommodate the world? Now, if the answer to that, I guess that second half is no, that she's not comfortable in her own skin, then those same folks should maybe take another step back and ask themselves if they're in the right church. Well, I'm going to compare uh, two different uh, two different bodies, uh, two different okay. denominations. One is her own LCMS, right? Where I think you know, from what I've seen from you know, in my, I'm 68 years old, so you know, I've, I've I've seen an awful lot with the church, and it seems to me that the LCMS is indeed still steadfast in its very basic teachings, and is, act, I wouldn't say fighting against, but is, res, is resisting societal, societal uh, influences and, out, and, outturn, and outcomes to become more, quote, inclusive, unquote. And then I look at uh, my friends who are Roman Catholic, and the concept of the cafeteria Catholic seems to really come into the forefront here. I know Catholics who are in favor, for example, of abortion. Right, right. Uh, Catholics uh, who supposedly still have a strong stand against divorce, yet I know Catholics who are divorced and remarried. So what, what's, is this perhaps what we're looking at? I, well, I, I guess that's maybe one of the things I'm trying to say, and maybe, maybe I could say it this way. Um, you know, the whole let's put Christ back into Christmas thing that we're hearing every year, um, I don't typically get on board with that. Um, in fact, every time I see a Facebook meme uh, saying something like that, posted by a friend who I never, ever see in worship. <laughs> I, I, I'm, always, I'm always tempted to do one of two things in particular. I either click that little option that reports the post to Facebook uh, uh, as offensive, <laughs> or I simply respond with happy holidays. Now, I do that. I do that to just kind of make a point. I never, ever click like. I'm more of a put the mass 
back into Christmas kind of a guy, which is to say, keep holy worship in Christmas. Keep the reception of and the fellowship with Christ in Christmas. Now, there, what you're talking about is this massive dissonance in the Church, the lack of consistency, you know, between faith and practice, essentially. Mm-hmm. History, the way I started um, uh, this whole thing, history proves it's really nothing new, um, and neither is the frustration that goes with it for people like me. People claim Christ but want nothing to do with Him, or at least not during soccer season. You know, know, be the Church, receive from Christ regularly, and not just at Christmas or just at Easter, for that matter. Stop fighting to make sure Christ is a part of Christmas when He's barely a concern in comparison to everything else you've already imposed as priorities. Gather as God's people with the Christian family. Be fed. Be strengthened. Don't, and not necessarily to fight the, the Merry Christmas versus Happy Holidays War, uh, but the one that exists in the world each and every day of our regular lives, the one that sees on the front line the devil, the world, you know, the sinful flesh, all these dreadful adversaries aligning against us. Uh, and, and they're aligning against us in ways I wonder um, if they're doing it to kind of... Um, convince us that we have the guts to stand up beside those internet memes and say, Merry Christmas, you know, Merry Christmas, while at the same time, as you just said, we're so biblically misinformed that we're able to support pro-choice candidates at the ballot box. <laughs> you know, we're, we're completely missing the consuming of our children by popular culture because catechesis is some, isn't something that the Church is doing anymore. It just kind of used to do it, but really isn't all that relevant. Uh, or maybe you yourself have been consumed by the the false commendability of tolerance, you know, the sacrificing of the Word of God to make way for ungodly distortions of everything, marriage, religious liberty, you name it. Go to church, is what I would say. Well, that's... That's a question I, I, I'd like to pose to you, again, as a pastor, bearing in mind that I am, I'm laity. Okay. Uh, as we know, the LCMS and the Bible teach that marriage is between a man and a woman. Right. Uh, now, I have friends, and I use the word intentionally, I have friends who are gay. I have friends who have, quote, been married, unquote. Right. How should I approach these people, even though I, I do not recognize their marriage, but I... I recognize some of these people as being good, decent, upstanding folks. How do I approach it? Well, you approach it, first of all, standing on the Word of God, okay? That Word of God is going to shape um, your approach completely, I would say. You're not going to these people uh, to show them in any way, shape, or form uh, what a cruel uh, person you are uh, in the expression of that truth, but uh, speaking that truth in love to them, doing so with uh, very much with care, but the problem, I think, again, that we're running into, and, and maybe we're straying away from this secularization of Christmas idea, um, is that, you know, for some reason, again, I would say that a good portion of our mainline Christianity is being convinced that um, this tolerance thing uh, is what it means to be Christian, and that we somehow have to kind of adapt our, uh, our doctrines to meet these people right where they are. Um, again, this is going back to the point of be, being a Christian, uh, being a part of the Christian faith, being a part of the Christian life is a culture in and of itself. Uh, it's something that we're bringing the world into. Um, we're not changing ourselves to be like the world around us. Um, so that that also kind of changes our perspective, I think, in a sense of what it means when we're leaving Walmart. You know, the clerk in aisle seven says to us, happy holidays, and then we 
we kind of get so angry uh, because they didn't say Merry Christmas. <laughs> I don't get angry at them. I simply say Merry Christmas to you, too. Well, we and, and we can do that. We can say Merry Christmas to them. But that's, you know, we never that, that what we're dealing with right now with regard to the secularization of Christmas is really not all that different than what's happened cyclically throughout the history of the church all the way back to when uh, we sort of formalized Christmas. But never before now would we have ever thought of of saying, let's keep Christ in Christmas. The church has never really even kind of thought about that. She just kind of did it. Um, well, well, maybe the secularization of Christmas really is a uh, a symptom of a of the secularization of the world as a whole. You know, during the Christmas season, we are supposed to think specifically of the of the birth of our Savior and what it means that He's come to give us eternal life. And we have the Advent season; we know this is coming, we know what's going on, and we think, or at least we're supposed to think, more and more upon the nature of Jesus and what our relationship is to Him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, but as you pointed out, and I think as we drifted a little bit off topic. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, no, that was that was me, not you. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is a broad. This is kind of a broad thing, and and there's a vast uh, historical perspective to this too that I think um, that would be worth talking about. Yeah. Um, well, I'm reading I'm reading a novel right now, and a part of it takes place in uh, the early 1800s in New England. And the main characters in this are Congregationalists. Now, the Congregationalists did not celebrate Christmas. Right, right. Yeah, in, uh, speaking to the historical context here, you know, the, the, the whole history of Christmas in America in particular, everything that we know and that we love is dripping <laughs> <laughs> with the kind of uh, this cycling that I was talking about um, before. You know, it, it's true that the official establishment of, of the celebration of Christmas on December 25th, okay, it didn't occur, you know, until the 4th century. There's plenty of other evidences that the Christians were celebrating using that date well before Aurelian even picked it in 274. Um, but that's not the point. Um, the, the idea that Christmas is historically kind of us assimilating into a pagan culture is a false narrative, but it doesn't stay false for long, as I understand the culture eventually consumes it. It's just a slightly different version of culture doing the munching, and it's a little different kind of digestion process. Throughout the centuries, the celebration starts to devolve here and there, uh, kind of taking into itself all the debauchery, all the drinking, the partying, all of those things. And so what you're talking about, uh, Christmas not being celebrated, it eventually led to the outlawing of Christmas celebrations in many of the Protestant lines, namely those killjoy pietists, um, and if you know anything about the pietists, you'll know that they're setting their standards for right and wrong based on the cultural ills of the day. Uh, so because of a badness like this, this bad misunderstanding of what it means to be the church, Christmas was actually outlawed in England for a long time. And you don't even see it come back. Um, I think it's Charles II um, who restores it uh, at that point. But then, So then we get to America. Uh, all of this stuff follows the Puritans over, over to the new land. You see it outlawed here uh, for a long, long time. Uh, and most Americans, we never even really kept Christmas in the early part of America. It was kept very reserved. Uh, it, it played a role, but um, it was always very reserved because of this. In fact, um, 
Washington, you know, when he crossed the Delaware. When did he do that? Yeah, Christmas Eve. Yeah, Christmas Eve. He attacked the Hessian Germans uh, in New Jersey. He attacks them on Christmas Eve. Why is that? Well, you know, Christmas Eve, yeah, but it was more important to the Germans who were celebrating. He was able to catch them off guard um, because it wasn't something that the uh, American Christians were necessarily taking time to pause uh, and and enjoy. In fact, the first Congress under the new Constitution was was in session on Christmas Day. Interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it it wasn't. It actually doesn't. Um, it doesn't get popular in our culture. It, it almost, in fact, it almost is single-handedly turned around by Washington Irving. Do you know you know him? Obviously. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, Sleepy Hollow fame. Uh, mm-hmm. He he put out a a book. It was published in. Uh, 1820 or 1830, something like that, and it's the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon. And it's a a whole bunch of collections of stories about Christmas, how it was celebrated in an English manner uh, in England. Um, It was so, it was hugely popular. Now you take that and you couple that um, with Charles Dickens, who's also got this super cosmically popular volume called A Christmas Carol, which we all know. Oh, yeah. And now you see all of the American Christmas traditions, trees, mistletoe, you know, you name it, all these things we know today pretty much being grafted from English pop culture into common American culture. The church had very little influence on any of this. But what I'll say is that off to the side, and this kind of goes back to where I started, off to the side, always off to the side, in its own little cultural corner, the historic church, we Lutherans in particular, we were like the churches in the past centuries that never bent over for the culture. Now, whether it was the crazed debauchery, tearing away at the church in the 4th, the ninth, the 17th century, whatever, it didn't matter. We were holding to ancient liturgical calendars that kept us tied to Advent, kept us tied to Christmas, beyond the cultural interpretations. And even with everything going on around us in early America, we never even thought to say, let's keep Christ in Christmas, because Christ was at the heart of everything we were doing already. Christ was always in our worship, in our liturgy, in our history, in our identity. It was always something happening all year round. We have lost that. We have lost that in a very, very significant way, I think, in the American church. Let me pose another question to you, more on a theological point of view. The increasing secularization. Are we seeing, are we seeing the adversary at work here? Oh, absolutely. But again, um, I would say this is, this is nothing we shouldn't expect. Um, the Lord said it was going to happen. He said that we should be watching for this. Um, he, essentially, he told he told his disciples, um, the world is going to be chasing after you. It's going to hate you because it hates me. So absolutely, I think that the devil has a part in this. But what would be his goal? His goal um, would be to separate us from God. And since we are Christ, inherently right? sinful in our own nature, you know, we're, we're already one foot in, in the grave, so to speak. And it wouldn't it be really to his advantage um, to get the Christian Church again uh, so kind of worked up? Um, again, feeling very courageous to kind of fight some of these battles um, that really, in the end, have never mattered uh, when it comes to the substance of justification. Um, I, I just don't. I guess I'm not. It's not as. It's not weighing as heavily upon me as a pastor as maybe it does on others, but... Well, I, I think I'm increasingly aware that there is an adversarial element out there. It's not just uh, so much of of, uh, of uh, ignoring, which is bad enough in itself, but I'm, I'm seeing an outright hostility 
uh, or now it's, it's acceptable to hate someone because of their faith, because we believe in, in Christ. Well, and, and why is that? Um, why is that? Because it is getting traction. You're, you're right, it is getting traction. Are you familiar with um, the, court, the court case Flory versus Sioux Falls? No, I'm not. School district? Yeah, it was a case in 1980, um, and which, again, my, I'm not incredibly knowledgeable in all of these things. I've done some reading on this, but to my understanding, you really start to see this secularization of Christmas issue uh, start to start to really get some momentum in the 80s and 90s, in the 90s more so, I think, uh, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, but essentially it was a, a court case where a school was offering a Christmas program that portrayed the Christian message. I mean, plain and simple, it talked about Christ. They sang uh, popular American uh, Christmas hymns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In the end, the court, uh, the Eighth Circuit District Court, upheld the school's freedom to have that Christmas program in the face of people who were complaining about it. Um, but in the end, postmodern secularism won, because what the, the ruling said was that popular American culture gets to decide what's Christian and what isn't. Whoa. And in this case, as it meets with the celebration of Christmas. So that was, it was kind of the, the bait and switch in a sense of they said, well, you know, the school has every right to do that, um, that by talking about Christ, it's not, um, it's not necessarily limited to, Christ, uh, to Christians because the American culture owns that message. Oh, where did they come up with that idea? So now, now having said, now again, it sounds great. It sounds like, well, wow, we won. You know, they said they're supporting the message. But what they actually did was they just told all of us that the culture owns the gospel, and the culture is going to decide what that gospel is. That's, a, that's an incredible move on the part of the devil. And you've got so many court cases that are built on that, Flory versus Sioux Falls, uh, that are happening right now. Uh, and I dare say that you see a, a, a little tiny case like that influencing, okay, you've you got to deal with the homosexual community this way as a church. You've got to deal with uh, the topic of marriage, with abortion this way as a church, because the culture owns your message. Um, uh, yeah, that that bothers me more. That, that bothers me a little bit more. Well, and again, going into the Christmas season, I mean, where we're seeing this right now, where schools are schools are saying, no, well, we can't have a Christmas pageant because this might offend someone. The uh, we're municipalities. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember seeing nativity scenes on on city on city property. Uh, I went to a public grade school in a heavily Jewish area, and we still had a Christmas pageant. There was also a Hanukkah pageant for the Jewish kids, but but <laughs> I, well, I just I just can't fathom this now. I know it's happening, but I compare it to, to when I was growing up, and I'm just taken well, aback. You know, I, I wrote a paper uh, some time ago where I, I spent a lot of time and effort, blood, tears, and sweat, uh, talking about how America is, is built on a basic Christian foundation. And I went through in that paper and I, I quoted from all of the the uh, original uh, founding fathers uh, whom everybody uh, typically kind of points to as deists. And yeah, you know, some of them were, but a good number, in fact, a majority of them were not. Uh, and they made all kinds of comments about things, how, you know, this, this country would deserve uh, to be torn down if she ever strayed away uh, from her Christian beginnings, from a trust in Christ, uh, the child of Christmas, you know, making very uh, pointed statements like that. In fact, one uh, session of Congress, they made a statement where they said something like, uh, 
if this country ever thought of removing Christ um, as a principle of our foundation, uh, that thought should be strangled in its cradle. <laughs> you know, but but we are seeing that kind of stuff moving along. Well, I, I can understand the concept that government is secular, but the people are not. Right, right. And uh, I think even Luther would have agreed with that with that statement, the idea of the two kingdoms. They, they work right. with, which, with each other, but they're not the same. Yeah, they're not the same, um, but they do have, again, a, a space in between where they interface. Hey, Pastor, um, we've got about a minute left. Do you want to uh, summarize what we've been saying here, and how do we approach the season? Well, how do we approach the season? Don't let the, don't, again, don't let that teenage clerk who's been mandated by her manager in aisle seven at the Walmart um, throw you uh, into a tizzy because she has to say to you, happy holidays. Um, feel free to give that Christian witness and say something like, Merry Christmas, the Lord be with you. You know, bless your, bless the birth of Christ in some way. Uh, do whatever you want to do with that. Uh, don't necessarily let it get you worked over. In the meantime, um, again, I'm sorry to be so crass, but uh, just make sure you get your butt to church. Uh, <laughs> let let those let the pastor, uh, the one God has put in the stead and by his command to teach and preach to you the gospel, teach to you, <laughs> teach okay. you and preach to you. Uh, pastor, we just run out of time, but boy, oh. have you, you've, you really nailed it right, right there. We have to get to the church. You've been listening to Free to Be Faithful, a presentation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate as a religious liberty education and awareness program. Free to Be Faithful airs the third Wednesday of every every month at 2.30, and it's rebroadcast the following Saturday at 9.30 Central Time. It's also available for download on our website at kfuo.org. Today's guest was Pastor Christopher Toma of our Savior Evangelical Lutheran Church in Heartland, Michigan. I'm your moderator, Kip Allen, wishing you God's blessings.